0: Welcome to Serially Hooked, House of the Dragon. We're your hookers Chris and Rashad, and today we are the realm's second sons. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at SeriallyHooked.com, where you can get all our latest info. Some programming reminders today, obviously, House of Dragon, and this week on Thursday is going to be another episode of Serially Hooked d and uh, very exciting, very big episode, uh can't wait for you to listen
1: does anyone die
0: i mean Spoiler you gotta alert. you gotta listen to find out right
1: oh well, fair enough
0: and yeah we'll now be doing weekly reviews of house of the dragon as every episode comes out so be sure to stay tuned and with that let's get into it and call this council meeting So, what did you think, episode two?
1: I, I I liked it. There are some things that I really liked, and mm-hmm. I was kind of thrown. The biggest thing that I was thrown back by, and uh, you know, I like to talk about general feels first, but I'll talk about one thing specifically: is the six-month time jump. That yeah. kind of threw me off a little bit at the beginning in particular, um, especially as the characters aged a little bit and what we'll was seeing what was going on. But in general, I like this episode. I think it's a very similar quality, in my mind to the first episode. And it, I don't think either has been great yet, but I think both have been good. So what about you?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think this is a very solid episode. Uh, I, I didn't really... It didn't really cross my mind when when I watched it, but as I was thinking about okay, which scenes do I want to talk about? I actually had a hard time picking some because there were just so many that I thought were interesting. Maybe not in the sense that they were masterfully written or whatever, but they're just because of the of the function they have in in the plot, I thought that there are many important uh, scenes in this episode. So I think. We, we said last time that th- that was a solid first episode. And I think this is a solid second episode. Already broadening the scope. Already getting a few things going. And yeah, it's... I think, yeah, it's it's off to a good start. Not, I mean, not tremendous, but good.
1: I mean, this episode is just largely people talking. Which is not a bad thing. Which is what Game of Thrones does when it's best. Uh, but it... I think, one, of the, at least for me, part of the problem about trying to pick scenes to discuss today was that the scenes kind of were quite short, largely. There wasn't really, like, elongated scenes, I felt. Like, there were short conversations here and there, and they kind of bounced between the different people. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it feels like a different pace. And at some point I, in the show, I felt, okay, this pace is a little bit odd. Uh, like, they accelerate through some things, and spend a lot of time on other things and also the entire course of this scene is this episode is happening on the course of one and a half days or two days it's not like it's that long of a time period so it's very interesting to see that we're jumping up six months in six months in time but then the entire course of this episode happens within two days so it's it seems that we're going to be experiencing this show in a different pace than the previous show and i'm wondering what you feel what you feel about that or if you think that was a good choice or how you know what does that mean for the show itself
0: i mean that all depends on whether we're gonna jump around as much i think it's very interesting to see everything play out in a very condensed time frame it's just a question of do we do we sort of you know stay with everyone in that one time line in the sense and not just jump around because if if we if we then like if we jump around in in time all the uh, you know in every episode that might be a little disorienting but i hope that they you know kind of they choose the the battles wisely so to speak they they can uh, strategically deploy that uh instrument
1: yeah, I'm always, I'm interested to see what will happen there. Um, but yeah, so. What else? Oh, my my major thought from this episode is the fuck auto hot tower. Honestly. <laughs> like he's using every single little thing for his own gain here. He's mm. just this snake. He's a mix of like Littlefinger and a, a shitty version of Tywin in my mind. Yeah. He is like the moment in the scene where the series is getting, I guess, maggots trying to like eat the dead skin off his hand when an auto hightower turns to him and is basically like, Oh, you have the duty to the realm, you are the king, but I don't envy you. That's a cool line, sure. But when he he's basically in that scene using his grief to his own end he's putting on the face of oh i lost my wife too i know how it feels but in reality in the back channels he is pushing the king towards marrying and he's obviously sending his daughter every night basically to meet the king as well so it's just like oh, i hate him so much i don't think and are characters that i've hated in game of thrones over over the years but um, just to start off with such a, in my mind, slimy character, not not great. Especially because I've, I've taken a liking to Rhaenyra already. So them kind of having this little mini rivalry through the first couple episodes is really nice to see.
0: I think Otto is an interesting character in the sense that he definitely loses parts of this episode when he uh, kind of loses face to Rha- Rhaenyra when he tries to get the egg back. But uh then, obviously, his like long plate pans out with his daughter, but that doesn't mean that his daughter can't emancipate herself from him, so maybe in the long run, he will not have the power base that he thought he has because you know his his is going to outgrow him. So it's going to be very interesting. I really like I think Callis is a really, really interesting character uh i like i think my major point about this episode is that there are a lot of interesting scenes that come in pairs and so i'm cheating a little bit today and i'm gonna mostly be choosing scenes that come in pairs so i will actually talk about seven scenes today but i'm sure a lot of them are going to be picked by you as well
1: now speaking of otto and rainera i think it's not only the scene in the dragon egg it's also the scene where she picks uh Kristen Cole as the yeah. Knight of the King's Guard. It's it's he's learning that he can't control Rhaenyra and he can't yeah. manipulate her like he can manipulate her father. And that strength that she's demonstrating, a, is speaking to how cool she is as a character, but b, a threat to Otto's power. And it will be interesting to see that. So far, so at least, in at face value or in front of him, Alicent has been quite. Uh, acquiescent to his desires or if, you know, he will go, to, she will go see the king if she wishes or whatever. And it is something that happens when people transform, when they get power. And we'll see that Alison, now that she's set to become queen, how does that change the dynamic there? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It might alienate him or it could empower him further. So, you know, it's it's interesting to see how We sometimes, and Game of Thrones does this quite well, so I had imagined it's something that'll actually end badly for Otto, but how Game of Thrones highlights the the unforeseen consequences of our actions and how we often sow the seeds of our own demise.
0: Yeah, and I think what's been surprising to me about House of the Dragon so far is that in both episodes, but in this one maybe even more than the first one, it's about obligation and about the golden cage that royalty can find themselves in sometimes where their choices can be dictated by outside in, you know, influences. Something that Corlys says is the realm is watching and he says it in the context of who is Viserys going to choose for his next wife, but that could go for anything. That could also... Oh no, he says it in the context of uh, sorry, sorry, the um, getting the the egg bag, I think from uh, from Damon. But yeah, the same could be said with uh, with regards to the marriage, with the you know him not going to Dragonstone, but send, sending Otto instead. That could also you know, and you are just always under under you know super, not supervision, but everybody's watching, and. That, that is kind of a very constricting thing. Uh, and, you know, all of these pressures that mount and we have a few scenes where, again, it comes in pairs that uh, Rha- Rhaenyra has, has two scenes in which she can liberate herself from that. A, yeah, in the choice of the new Kingsguard, but also in just flying uh, to Dragonstone, unbeknownst to everyone. Uh, and also Viserys in his choice of his next wife. So I like the thematic aspect here very much.
1: Yeah, and I think we're learning a lot about how ineffective Viserys is as a king. And when Corlys tells him that you cannot wait for the storm, you have to either sail directly into it or sail around it, we're learning that Viserys is the type to actually just always wait for the storm. Whatever happens, he doesn't actually make active decisions or proactive decisions even the decision to remove Damon in the last episode as his heir was you know a reactive anger decision made in anger or um whenever he kind of re- he ch- even even when Rhaenyra disobeys him and goes and gets the egg and he challenges her he acquiesces in like a minute and after one like kind of rebuttal from her and he doesn't seem to ever have his own opinions and a- any decisiveness especially actually not especially in every turn he just kind of makes the choice it, he doesn't make a choice basically i guess the one choice he makes and that's ironic is to pick alice and surprising everyone and kind of simultaneously pissing off everyone we'll see how rain reacts we know how cordless reacts so we'll see how that you know <laughs> It's like he doesn't make any choices and the one choice he does make is like it's the worst bad. choice possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the, the end of him down the line. You know, as you said, because I saw it the same way. It's like he is not, yeah, as you said, it's, he's not a very decisive character. And I think played wonderfully by Paddy Considine in that way. I think it's a great choice of acting and there are so many great scenes here when it comes to acting. Um, but yeah, the one choice that he does make where he tries to rebel against the system that he is technically the head of but he is still trapped inside of it uh i think is going to cost him dearly later on because there is a reason why he would much rather spend time in in his kind of chamber with his his like model of old valyria and kind of i don't know Thinking about the glorious past instead of, uh, ch- you know, getting getting head on with the challenges of the present, he's kind of reclusive in that way. He tries to, not, not tackle things head on, uh, and so yeah, maybe he is just unfit to being a ruler in that sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is unfit. So I mean, I guess we'll see what happens with him in particular. But it doesn't seem to end well. Also for marriages that you know love marriages or whatever Um, and he seems to be in love with alicent to at least some degree and as as we know quite well with people like rob stark (laughs) marrying (laughs) the person you're not supposed to marry is is not really the best decision let's hope he doesn't go to any weddings anytime soon yeah it's it's the thing right
0: whatever you do you're making the wrong choice in some
1: respect Yeah. Well, it's also like how you go about doing something is important, too, because I totally thought when they were sitting in the room, Rhaenyra and uh, Viserys, they were sitting in the room talking and they were kind of having an open conversation. I thought he would at least tell her that he's considering Alicent or Mm -hmm. confide in her. But it seems that he didn't. I mean, it's clear from the look of Rhaenyra that she was surprised and pissed that he picked Alicent. Also, mm. Loki, why was Alicent in the small counselor chamber? Like, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's the one thing when when because I was I was not entirely sure how he would like what he would choose. Uh I was pretty sure he was gonna pick Alison, but I could have also seen it the other way. But as soon as she was in the she has no reason being in the council chamber, and then of course when he starts talking about marriage, like, okay, he's gonna pick Alison, of course, because why else would she be here? So that was kind of her presence was a spoiler in that regard.
1: Yeah, I was kinda of, I thought like, yeah, it could go two ways. Either he marries Alison or he marries Liana. Liana, what was her name? Something yeah, like li- that. Liana, I think um and starts cheating on Laina, her with Alison Lena that's Laina. it yeah they wouldn't name another character liana no. the lady um, lena yeah, she's referred it. to thank you so much um that's a little, that's actually kind of funny cuz it's a combination of the names of my two sisters <laughs> it's, really, oh. it's really, like lena <laughs> is like literally if you makes my two sisters names together that's what it would be <laughs> that's uh, but yeah so here we are um yeah yeah any last thoughts b- about the episode in general before we kind of get into our top 4 or i guess for you top 7 yeah uh
0: i don't know i think all the points that i want to make i will make when talking about my top four asterisk
1: all right so what's your top your first one
0: okay the first pair is um two things that happen in the first third is when ranier is is supposed to choose the next king's guard which is you know, it it is thought as by the members of the council to marginalize her and get her out of there, but the way she goes about it, and as you already mentioned, she uh, picks someone who is not the choice that Otto would have made. Um, but her reasoning is sound, and I think you can tell that the uh, the captain of the King King's guard also agrees with her logic whereas Otto kind of only has the political machinations in mind. Uh, Rhaenyra is more practical. And that pairs very much with the conversation between uh, Rhaenyra and Rhaenys about Viserys' new marriage and the possibility of new heirs and what Rhaenys, uh, the queen that never was, is calling the order of things and that, quote, men would sooner put the realm to the torch than see a woman uh, ascend the Iron Throne. I think that was a very apt commentary and just the back and forth between the two of them, just that's, that's totally like the best kind of Game of Thrones uh, style dialogue. And I enjoyed it very much. And just, you know, a deeper conversation about power and gender.
1: Yeah, that latter scene is on my list. It's my number four. And it's just an amazing dialogue between these two really strong people who are um, kind of reflecting on their position in the world um in the i know you don't watch them but in the in the end after the credits they have the little like interviews with the the actors and the actor who plays Rainis i can't remember her name i'm so sorry but shout out to you (laughs) um (laughs) she uh comments on how uh it's from her perspective at least is framed as Rainis pushing down Rhaenyra and kind of tempering her expectations and showing how people who kind of have been scorned by the society in one place uh, at one time kind of want to believe that it's all about her being a woman but not necessarily it could be also about her in particular and how she kind of like sets Rainier's expectations or kind of pushes her down and it. it's reflective of the way how society pushes you know we we tend to push each other down in some kind in some in some ways instead of lifting each other up. So I found that to be an interesting alternative. I didn't read that the first time when I watched the scene, but to see the actor reflect on that scene in that way made me kind of rethink about the the significance of that scene. Not only is it about lamenting the status quo, but it is also to a certain extent perpetuating the status quo. And I think that is a really good reflection of, um, you know, Rhaenys' mindset and potentially um, a harbinger, a harbinger, the harbinger of things to come. Um, But my favorite line from that scene is when she looks and she tells her, your father is no fool because that's such a, like a, an ambiguous threat in a way, but it is just so—it's filled with so much terror and awe. It's such a beautiful, and the line reading is so good. I just—that's a really good scene through and through. I wish we had more of things like that.
0: Yeah, and Loki, I'm just really happy that renis has more presence in this episode in general. I mean, this is the scene. She later on has another scene that um we're probably going to talk about, but um I was just happy to see more of her because in the first episode she was mostly just there, but now she actually gets to talk. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. She's a very interesting character to me.
1: Yeah, it's, what was I was gonna say, uh, yes, yeah, she's also like kind of looking down from the rafters when uh, Rainier was picking Sir and Cole, for example. So she's always mm. kind of around, but she's not that active yet. And having her, her uh, a window into her mind is, I think, really interesting and want to see more of,
0: for sure. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said about being underappreciated, not really t- seen in that regard, uh, that, that can help you down the line, in a sense. And especially in her partnership with callers, that's, that they are just an interesting duo.
1: I wonder how she's going to side with Corliss's decision to backstab Viserys, And I wonder what's going to happen there. If she sanctions it or kind of fights against him and what Mm. machinations she has, because, you know, anyone standing in rafters, looking down at things happening has to remind you of Littlefinger. So is, is that an overt, um, allusion to Littlefinger or is that just by accident or what's going on there with, rainier a rainies like Mm. why you know does she have things up her sleeve as most game of thrones characters do
0: yeah i mean i'm trying not to think about you know not to make these comparisons as much uh you know comparing them to game of thrones characters but now that i'm thinking about about it she reminds me most of olena she's just like in the background Uh, a little bit but she is very wise she's very sharp
1: witted. not as funny though not as <laughs> fine,
0: no, no. But Olenna was one of a kind for sure. Yeah, but my next scene is the is like the the next pair, if you want, is the it's something about Corlys specifically, where he and Rhaenyss propose marriage between their daughter Lena and Viserys to strengthen their position, and as they said, also the position of the king. Um, qu- quoting again, uniting the two great Valyrian houses, which, you know, gets mentioned throughout that they have this bloodline and it makes sense and, you know, it would definitely strengthen everyone's position. But I think it pairs very well to with, with one of the very last scenes um, where Corlys tries to convince Damon uh, to be his ally, saying, we are the realm's second sons, kind of undermining what he said for, to Viserys. And so that just goes to show how willing he is to adapt his rhetoric uh, and that the only thing he wants is is, uh, he's just very much interested in power and he knows how to talk to both of those brothers in the language that will that they understand and that is gonna be the best kind of trajectory for his possible victory in that kind of exchange
1: yeah actually that's the next one one of the, the latter one is on my list as well the next one yeah. so we're really working in in tandem here today. Hello, yeah, so that's it I thought you were gonna say something no I, I said didn't.
0: all the things
1: oh okay so yeah i th- I think that fireplace scene between Corliss and Damon is extremely interesting in particular p- Damon because i just i think Damon is so magnetic as a character, and I wish we had mm. more of him, but it's when Damon is basically criticizing his brother and then Corliss hops in for a second and then Damon looks at him and is like, only I can speak about my brother like this. You can't say shit. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to see Damon still. I, I think I genuinely think it's genuine in terms of his mm-hmm. care for his brother, but his also disdain for it. This complicated family relationship. I would just assume that's the case. And I mean, evidence of him stealing the dragon egg just to get a rise out of his brother, basically and for no apparent reason because he's not getting married and he's not having a a child but Mm -hmm. i i really do like that i don't know that, that that little quirk that Damon has and obviously corliss's ability to maneuver is really fascinating and the fact that i mean corliss built his entire wealth basically on on his own with his two, own two hands, right? And he's going to fight to defend it, but it just shows how adept he is at doing whatever he has to for his own success. And if he's going to kind of throw in with Damon, that's great. And if he's going to, you know, be able to obviously first choice is to, you know, marry with Viserys, that'd also be great. But um, I like how he is so adaptable to whatever is going on. And I don't know that's just a great scene and it's a good way to bookend it because it, you kind of already see what's coming in the way that like they're going to do something and it potentially will be against the crab feeder. We'll see, but it is like, it's, you know, it's really, is kind of, uh, how much will Damon actually do things versus just trying to like poke the bear? <laughs> Poke the dragon, oh yeah! Poke the dragon. Poke well. Viserys isn't really a dragon anymore. No, he can't ride a dragon. Really. He's kind of weak, so no. we'll, we'll downgrade him to a bear. Maybe it's just like yeah. a little mini black bear. Black bear. <laughs> he's
0: a wormling is what he is. A Snake, or something.
1: <laughs> I don't know. A oh, dragon. he's not that bad. No, he's not true. malicious. He's just like flumpy.
0: No, I, I just mean like compare the uh, the powers of a snake with that of a dragon. It was yeah, not about the bunch. like connotations. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I te- <laughs> definitely agree, and yeah i don't know that it was a it was a very int- uh, interesting exchange i agree damon is i actually like that he is not there all the time i think it was very strategically chosen where he appears in this episode um for a second i thought i was kind of smiling when carlis had his spiel about oh yeah and i've worked my way up whereas just two sentences before he was talking about oh his great lineages and that was always a great house and that kind of reminded me of the scene in knives out where the three children of the deceased author are saying how how like self-made they are whereas like i think all three of them basically just got a lot of money from their father yeah, uh, and that—that's kind of what I. Is a, yeah, I totally worked my way up. Yeah, you did, but you're also coming from a very influential family, so it's not as—I uh, would say the Onion Knight is more impressive in that regard than he is because he already comes from, as as they say, good stock. <laughs> <laughs> that's, some great. Of the, that's some of the worst. You gotta ah, love anyway. it. So my next pair is two big ones uh it is the whole clash scene between Damon and it's basically between Dragonstone and King's Landing if you will because it's just a cool scene it's a great show off it is first is Damon and Otto and I j- I was just shaking my head the entire time I was like how did they not account for him having a dragon that's so stupid <laughs> um but I honestly th-
1: yeah like what the hell were they thinking yeah <laughs> just like what the hell um
0: and then so the surprise visit by Rhaenyra and her dragon and the confrontation uh, and just how casually he just throws the egg to Rhaenyra which in turn yeah as I said previously strengthens her position and weakens Otto but I also really liked that it is very plain that Damon didn't share his plans with his uh, wife to be, Missaria, because you, you can just see it on her face. And uh, I loved that scene. That that was all the most uh, kind of the best acting in in that whole sequence. For me, was just her reactions to what he said, and obviously she didn't know anything about any of this. And that I think pairs very well with the next uh with the scene in uh with when Viserys tells the council he'll marry Alicent, where a lot a lot of the power is changing everybody in the first scene that i picked went into this into this exchange and came out very differently and the same is true with the, with the second scene with the marriage and everybody's just upset uh corliss leaves uh Rhaenyra leaves and I kind of love that that they both just leave. They're both upset for different reasons. But in terms of just power exchanges, you know, Carlos thought he had this in his, in his bag, but then kind of Otto swoops in with his daughter that he had positioned uh, in that regard. And I just love in terms of positions, how those two scenes kind of mesh together pretty well.
1: That's so interesting. I mean, I, the the scene on the bridges was my number one. Uh, I think it's the most beautiful shot yeah. of the show so far. Um, it's though I love how you can see the dragons, but before you can see them, you can hear mm-hmm. them. And then just kind of them being on both sides of the bridge facing off against one another. Mm-hmm. That's just an incredible scene right there and a power move by Rhaenyra to just defy her father's orders and do what she wants, basically. And I think because... The, the specific egg that Damon took is so personal also to her, not only to her father. And this is kind of a matter of family. And in the end, like that was a really stupid... That's, the only part of that scene that I don't like is two things. One, it took them a second to get there, which is... Dragonstone's not that close. And also, they only went with like 10 people. And <laughs> he has an army of 2,000. Like You have to show force if you're going to try and get something back. So it's a really stupid plan by Otto himself as well. But again, in the end, it's just Damon trying to kind of be the the the, the naughty boy. I don't know what way to say a better way to say that right now. But it's just I I just love the look that Otto like that, Rhaenyra gives Otto as she's like walking by him with the egg already yeah. in hand, and everything was fine and no one died because like fuck yeah, that's so good. Because I mean, I don't know if. Damon would have killed them all but they definitely wouldn't have left without the egg but they would definitely wouldn't have gotten the egg back from him without you know some bloodshed
0: <laughs> I don't think they would have gotten the egg back from him full stop <laughs> yeah, what, what they're doing <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, what I also really liked about that scene and they mentioned it previously is that the power source that he had like his military force is the gold cloaks uh, which you know is something that Otto had Viserys appoint him as the their leader and we had seen in the first episode that he is their leader and they really follow him and that was very interesting to me that they would leave King's Landing and go to Dragonstone with him. Does that mean there's no police force now in King's Landing? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't clear to me whether all of them left. Maybe it's just like a group within within the gold cloaks. But yeah, that's that's very interesting to me that they are like the, his loyal guards in that respect. Yeah, well, this
1: bridge scene is the scene of this episode. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it is by far. It's also like one of the few scenes that is shot outdoors and it does not disappoint. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful from beginning to end. And one thing I notice is that Damon just loves to show off his sword so many times. Every every <laughs> chance he gets, he's like, "I'm gonna pull out Dark Sister and point it at you and try to kill you." Like he has no qualms about um, using his Valyrian steel whenever he wants.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably because it is Valyrian steel, and it is. It reminds me of the first episode as well, where he came to the tourney with his ridiculous suit of armor. <laughs> that was just like, so that told you so much about his character already. Uh, I also really liked the uh, exchange. Uh, speaking of the tourney between uh, Damon and Kristen Cole, um, you know, they, oh yeah, you remember the tourney? Oh yeah. You remember when I knocked you out in the tourney? Yeah. Uh, that was a lot So Crispin? Crispin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get that right? Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, and of course, both in in the in the pair that I said, obviously, uh, both Rhaenyra and Viserys kind of don't do what is expected of them, and that's another kind of parallel. And my last scene is not a parallel; it's just a scene right after the bridge scene. It is when Rhaenyra confronts Daemon about basically his privilege and that he endangers her by his plans i thought that was a very well put point that for people who are just growing up in this like royal context they do, they and it, go, it goes also to to what you said earlier like the about how what game of thrones is about often is the is the consequences from actions and as not just basically a commoner but somebody who had been sold Uh, as a slave multiple times Uh, she knows that she is very vulnerable and daemon is always to at least to an extent going to be protected by his status as a targaryen and as the brother of the king uh, and once heir so i thought that i really like that point and it also goes back to uh, the very first uh, thing that i pointed out with the the conversation between Rhaenyra and Rhaenys uh, and the role of women and yeah I I don't know I was I found myself very much fascinated by this point she was making and just thought that she I'm just curious what her role is going to be whether she how much influence she's going to be able to exert over Daemon.
1: See this is where I think the six month time jump starts to be an issue for me where i wish we had more of her and their relationship on a day-to-day basis to really get a baseline for the consequences that his actions will elicit it's no surprise that he's gonna he has more privilege than she does and he there is an asymmetric power dynamic here going on but I think that if we had more time with her, I think it'd be really cool. And one of the things that, you know, we bring about, or we, you know, we try not to compare too much with Game of Thrones, but some of the best things of Game of Thrones are just Arya and the Hound walking around the countryside, seeing how the war has affected the like, local people. And while this is not the same, the consequences of that, I think, you know, on, as you mentioned, the consequences of th- of whatever conflict on everyday people is something that we're really missing, I think, in these first couple episodes while we're focusing just on the princes and the kings and that kind of stuff and this palace intrigue, where the palace intrigue is great. You need something to ground yourself, and that's really important. That's one on the one hand why I like this scene, but on the second hand, it is a reason why the scene the scene highlights some of the things that are missing in this show for me, and hopefully that'll come to fruition as we stop. Jumping in time, but this is just a couple episodes. We can't really judge too much yet. But so far, this is kind of some of my thoughts.
0: So, what's your last scene?
1: uh My last scene is the scene in the Sept of Baelor between Alicent and Rhaenyra. I wonder if this is going to be the last scene we get with just the two of them. I doubt that, but it's the last thing we see. Of the just the two of them in this episode, and it is them at their closest and them also phenomenal acting like some of the best acting I've seen and they how they casted teenagers to play that well like to act that well (laughs) good job by them it's a beautifully dimly lit scene and I think it is it just speaks so much to Rainier's. Character and how she holds everything in, and she wants to be the strongest person in the room at all times, and her reluctance to break down at any given point, even in a place where it is expected of her, is just a a demonstration of her type of strength. But then Allison, on the other hand, is not manipulating her, but bringing her into the fold and trying to kind of mend the wounds between her and her father in a way that is so deft and she you can see how good of a political actor Allison is even in the closest friendships that she has and their relationship is genuine and they are so close and i love that scene and really want to highlight it because this might be the last time we see them together as friends we don't know how this news of her marrying her father is going to disrupt their relationship but how can it not?
0: Yeah, I think that's what makes this, uh, this later scene when Viserys said that he's going to marry Ellicent even more powerful because we have this scene earlier on. And I, yeah, I agree. It is, it is a beautiful scene. And you can see all of the like political machinations, but also personal feelings in it. And so I think, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful choice.
1: And it's just a matter of time before Alicent is like, you can call me mom. <laughs> oh, my God. No,
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. I don't know.
1: No. Alicent is too intelligent for that. And you can yeah. really see her. On the one hand, I, I mean, she's like becoming one of my favorite characters. I mean, it's really hard for me to choose between her and Rainier. They're just like my two favorite characters already. So it's just mm. like, OK, well, I'll we'll have to give like a character favorite ranking.
0: So top four characters right now.
1: Uh, oh my god you're gonna make me choose one is <laughs> rainier and allison you cannot make me choose between them sorry oh Not i can yet. it's a top four ah fuck you oh i refuse <laughs> <laughs> i see okay uh, well, well actually it will be fun we can like uh check in on that in a couple ta- in a couple days or, yeah, or a couple weeks sure. uh, but i have time to think about it but
0: hmm. so do you look forward to the next episode then
1: so much so, I can't wait to see what happens. What Damon and Corlys do, how they take it to the crab feeder, how v- Viserys reacts to that. The wedding perhaps will be coming soon. Something will be of that nature. I think how how Rhaenyra will react to it. At this point, though, like with the jumps in time, I don't know if we're gonna jump again in time or are we gonna stick here. So I hope that's what we see. But I, and I hope we don't. If we jump in time, it's not too far. But uh whatever we we see i like the tone of the show already it's really exciting it's really cool to see i find myself waiting for the premiere time which puts a hamper on my sunday afternoon uh efficacy and work but <laughs> it is something that i'm willing to sacrifice i'm not i'm not like uh, overly enthusiastic
0: about the show in any sense but i look i very much look forward to, to seeing the next episode i can't wait and i think Maybe it's better that way to slowly build up and just to be constantly entertained and intrigued. And I think this show does a very good job at both of these things. And yeah, I'm, I can't wait to watch it again, uh, to watch the next episode and to talk to you about it.
1: Yeah, the next like the thing is this show, it's just starting out and it's not, its goal isn't to wow us every episode and that's fine and that's actually good. You mentioned just like it being entertaining and us being intrigued every week. That's how you build the foundation for a solid show moving yeah. forward for multiple seasons. You can't have, oh my God, every season, like a dragon's going to go and burn <laughs> like a billion people or whatever. That's yeah, where you end yeah. up with the last season of Game of Thrones. Like it feels rushed and it feels like there's no development, no mm-hmm. characters, da 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 But it is, it's a really good foundation that they're setting for something that can last a long time and give us a lot of interest and intrigue moving forward and and keep us entertained so good job so far keep it going i'm excited to see what comes up sorry i ruined your outro transition go
0: ahead (laughs) it's okay i'm used to it after after podcasting for you for almost a year and a half now oh you're podcasting for me now thank you no with you did i say for you no with you i'm just used to this (laughs) but i'm still trying
1: Never give up, Chris. Never give up.
0: So can I do the outro now? Or Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Do we have a fixed outro for this? Yes, we
1: do. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I'm leaving we... all this in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, so if you like what you heard, you can uh, help us by uh, giving us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having you back on board as we discuss uh, the next episode of... Uh, House of the Dragon
1: next week. Hooker's out. You forgot that part, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting.
0: (laughs) Hooker's out. Yeah.